up and welcome to the Temple of Blair episode P. Uh, this is yet another entry into the history of Roadrunner Record series. This one kind of sits adjacent to the uh, the main ones that I've been doing. Uh, this is the conversation with Kurt Shaw. So Kurt was the producer of The Great Cat's debut album with Roadrunner, Worship Me or Die, uh, recorded back in 87, I believe. So uh, together we try and wade through some of the more enigmatic... Uh, parts of the great cast persona try and get really down to the core of what she's all about and obviously Kurt was very much in the trenches at the start of her career so he's in a very unique position to tell me all about that stuff um a bit of housekeeping my audio on this deteriorates so my voice eventually will become crackly and weird I can still kind of make out what I'm saying but then again um I am used to my own voice so apologies if um it's a little bit difficult to hear it's worth mentioning at this point as well that Kurt is still uh, clear as a bell it's just me that sounds dodgy. Anyway, so Kurt is a singer-songwriter, and you can check him out on Facebook, as is his son. His son is a very, very, very talented uh, pop singer and songwriter. Uh, his name is Corey Shaw, S-H-O-R-E, and you can find both of those guys on Facebook. As well as singer-songwriting duties, Kurt is also the president and chief creative officer of the D4 Creative Group, uh, which is one of Philadelphia's leading advertising firms. So I was uh, especially grateful for Kurt's time as he's a very, very, very busy man. Anyway, man, let's jump into it. Again, apologies for the audio. One, two, fuck shit up. Hey, man. <laughs> Hi, Kurt. How are you doing? Good. You know, it's, you know, life is just so friggin' funny. I, I, um, I was just talking to these friends of mine uh, and her brother, this uh, woman's brother, is a, is a uh, double bass speed metal drummer. Mm-hmm. I haven't thought about the Grey Cat record in years. And um, I am not kidding. An hour ago. <laughs> yes. So tell me about some of the records you produced when I was doing music all the time. And, you know, my recording studio, we did all the Cinderella records. Yeah. You know? and, uh, and I said, yeah. And then I produced this uh, really crazy woman, very talented, uh, the Grey Cat, a speed metal record. Mm. And it was the only one I, that I had done that, you know, and, uh, and here it, all of a sudden you, you email me for an interview. It's just the funniest. This life is fucking crazy. It's great. It's, uh, to be honest, man, what I do is I do this. Um, I've been doing a history of Roadrunner Runner records, the whole label. <clears throat> and I got it. There's a few parts in the history of that label, which I just stop and go, that's really interesting. And it deserves its own focus. And the, you know, the cat is one of them. So oh I just, God. I started putting pen to paper today. I've got loads of material and I was like, right, if I can just get 20 minutes of like of a script and then I'll build like a, uh, like a presentation around it. But I thought, I'll see if I can get people around those projects because I know it was always yeah. quite a small band and quite a small team. So I was like, I wonder if anyone's kicking about these days. And I just thought I'll give you a quick Google and there you were. <laughs> it's fucking unbelievable. But anyway, so yeah, so, um, Go ahead. Ask Let's away. jump straight into it, man. Um, so, if I'm not mistaken, the Great Cat was she, was she your first production credit? No, no, no. I had I was. Um, I mean, the real brief history for me is that I was signed as a recording artist when I was 19. Right. Um, on a band called Dialogue, mm-hmm. and it's still you know it's still out there. I get a call every once in a while. Some people want to re-release it, and and then I um, and then I opened up a studio and started helping the Philadelphia rock scene. Mm-hmm. You know, and we were like right in the middle of it. And uh, 
my partners, we had a studio out in the woods called Kajem, K-H-A-E-M, and cool. um, rock bands from all over the all over the world would come. Um, mm-hmm. So we did all the Cinderella records except for one, I think. And then, because uh, Philly's known more as an R&B town, you know, like black music. So yeah. we were we were pop we were pop rock guys. So um, you You're know, the niche. And, uh, what you were the niche in the town? Yeah, for the yeah. rock stuff. So uh, and we had the studio was in uh, the old. It was something called the old the old Derringer Gun Factory, mm-hmm. which the rumor was it it built the gu- the gun that shot Abraham Lincoln. You oh know? wow! <laughs> so uh, you know it was a really cool place, and we had this. You know we, we kept one of the natural rooms. So it was twenty five foot ceilings, and the drums sounded like fucking cannons. So people from all over the world would come and record their drums. We did Operation Mindcrime, that album from a. Uh, uh, What's the band? Um, Queensryche. Yeah, Queensryche. I don't know, a bunch of a bunch of acts. So no, but I had had a hit right before that um, that I co-wrote and produced called "Catch Me on Falling," which was a dance record by Pretty Poison. Okay. You know, so and then I produced some other acts, but I was really trying to get signed. I mean, we you know we had a couple recording contract offers. Um, I was the main writer and lead singer of the bands that we were in. But mm-hmm. for some reason or another, like they did, they either fell through or either my other partners didn't want to do. In fact, we got some Eng- funny because we got English. We were really as, um, a couple English. Um, uh, whoever signed, what was it, MCA? Who ELO's label wanted to sign us? You know, ELO right, okay. from London. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But my partner said, "Oh, well, we want an American deal." And I said, "Well, you know what? We may not get an American deal. Sometimes it's better to come in as an mm-hmm. import." You know. So anyway, that was that. Just seeing, so, yeah. just seeing who signed those initially. Uh, ELO, Jeff Lindsay, ELO. It looks like it's quite it's quite a myriad. I think um, there's Harvest, Warner Brothers. There's quite a few. I'm not sure if there's just one. There's EMI in there as well. I think they might have done some label hopping in the earlier days. Yeah, I mean, it was a label. You know, our manager got us the offer, but we didn't. We said no. Uh, you know, so who knows? You know, you, you go through life, and that's it. So. So how did how did you get approached with the great cat then? What happened was really interesting. She have have you ever did you speak to her? I'm sure you have. Have you spoken I, to her? I had I had a, I had um I asked her for an interview to which she said send me five questions by email to it so I did and she said right I'll give you the answers once you promote this new album that I've got out Beethoven's 250th birthday coming out in December. So oh, I did really? that and she answered all the questions. But yeah 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 that, it was quite. Light on detail, heavy on cat, I guess, is the best way of describing it. <laughs> yeah, she called me, I don't know, five, six years ago. And, Kurt, Kurt, you know, you're the only producer I ever respected. Can you, 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 you want to produce my next record? You know? <laughs> and I said, no, I, I, and I thanked her. I mean, I was very, what happened was, I, I forgot who she had. She had a producer and she was a firebrand, as you can imagine, you know, Juilliard graduate. <laughs> She had not one blues lick in her body. She did not. She didn't bend notes. No. There's no bending. It's all precision playing, like a violin would play, right? Mm-hmm. And um, uh, she fired the the producer, like in a rate, you know, kind of in a rage, you know, like get the fuck out of here, you know, and just you know, I hate you, I hate you. And she she can't. She knew that she had heard that I was a musician, you know, it's pretty pretty accomplished and. Mm-hmm. She goes, uh, and, and I was the one who had met her. And, and I, you know, I, I get along with a lot of people. So she goes, Kurt, would you, you know, uh, you're a musician. I can't stand these fucking producers who don't, who don't know how to, you know, don't know music. You know, will you produce me? Right. 
So I said, uh, on one condition, you know, and I was, and I was really strict about it. I said, there will be no, you know, uh, there will be, I, I am, I am not the, I am not a person that you say fuck you to. I'm from Philadelphia. We boot, mm-hmm. we boot Santa Claus, you know? So, you know, I won't tolerate it. I won't tolerate it at all. We're there to do work. We're there to make great music. Yeah. As long as you have that attitude, I'll produce it. But if you, 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 you go off on one time, fuck you, you know? And I was, I was right in her face yeah. and, and, and she respected it, you know, uh, like any, any mm-hmm. woman, honestly, who's uh, you know, and, uh, <clears throat> and we went through the record pretty quickly we plowed through it, you know, like I had all the charts and everything was charted out totally. I mean, and she got, you know, she would get a little bit rough with the drummer, you know, or she goes, come on, you motherfucker. You know, like just, she just curses all the time, but that was okay. I mean, you know, she was, she just, she was a perfectionist, you know, and this stuff. As you Did she ever drop the, uh, yeah, yeah. She's, she, this is the interesting thing. Cause she is, she is a gifted musician. Yeah. But it seems like the attitude and, and the front is kind of what doesn't jive with people. And as a result, that's why she's not doing the Yngwie Malmsteen gig. She's not doing what Jason Becker would have done and things like that. Um, but I think yeah, because her, people didn't. Sorry, go on. Well, no, yeah. I mean, I think, uh, listen, I, I have, I can't, I cannot tell you anything. My relationship with her was great. You know, it was just very pro- it was yeah. professional. She respected my demand about staying professional and I, even when she called me, I don't know how many years ago now, it all kind of blends together. She was great. You know, she goes, mm-hmm. you know, she was really complimentary. And I, I just, you know, I'm running an agency. I just couldn't do it. You know, had a, if I were just doing music, I, I would have done another one. Did you, um, when, when the, the shtick, I don't, I don't know how she would have presented it. It was going to be called Worship and or Die. And it was going to be, kind of have a very strong dominatrix sort of sadomasochist approach. Did that ever err you in any way? Or did you just think, fuck it, it's just the music. Let's get this down. I didn't care. Yeah. I was just looking at the music. Um, it was really, and it was very challenging. I mean, that, that's, again, everything was charted out, you know? So, I mean, that's just never done. I mean, the, I, you know, we had a lot of metal bands and speed metal acts. They, they didn't chart, they didn't chart anything. It was just all rehearsed. They just knew their parts. You know, most of them, I would say half of them couldn't read music, you know, it's, but she's Juilliard, you know? So, um, long roadrunner gave you in the studio what speaking of which do you remember how long roadrunner gave you in the studio because usually usually it's like the budget for a debut album of that time for roadrunner is about five grand and that's typically about a week two weeks in the studio so that's why the bands will have come in having rehearsed because they only get one shot really but obviously if 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 cats coming from a completely different background it's a completely different approach they would have had to manage I would look, you know, you're going by, I'm going by memory, I, uh, but um, I think it took, it was probably eight or nine, eight, eight or nine days, maybe 10, because right. we had, you know, we had, she fired the producer like the second day, you know, so mm-hmm. I had to, I had to get, I had to familiar, familiarize myself with the music just to know what she was trying to do, you know, and, right. um, okay. yeah, so uh, we, oh, we so you were, you were brought in on the job at the, when it was started. So it wasn't like a few weeks before, Hey Kirk, can you do this record? It was, it was like Eric Stoltz being sacked from the back of the future. You were running in to save the day. She, it was, we had two floors. So the studio was on the first floor or the second floor. My office was on the first floor. Right. And, uh, I heard from my partner who was engineering it. He said, oh, when there's, uh, you know, uh, you wouldn't believe it was a big blow up. 
and and then she just came downstairs and and just you know Kurt you know I you know, I know I know you're a musician okay you know? okay okay you can you will you uh, you know will you be willing to produce a record and, I, and then I said well let me you know I was yeah. like you know I called it it was like a Curtis interrupt us. <laughs> <laughs> And, uh, I talked to my partner about it, and and, uh, and you know we we just went for it. I mean, it was fast. I, I don't, I don't. It wasn't two weeks. I mean, and I think, you know, the budget the budget was more for her because she was such a she was such a kind of iconic. You know, like like she was very. You know, it's no one. Nothing, nothing had been done quite like that before. Because I mean, your Malmsteams and your Jason Beckers, they're very much shred oriented, like Cat was, but they would often have their own angle and their own a lot of original music. I mean, I know Cat did as well, but her entire shtick was, I can do all of the Brandenburg um, concertos in forty-five minutes. That's the whole angle. Yep, and, and that was unique. Flight and, of the Bumblebee wasn't it on that. I think Flight of the Bumblebee was on the record, right? It might be that one on the next one. Uh, There's Beethoven on Speed, which was the follow-up. Um, that was Fly the Bumblebee. Yeah. You know, for me, it was just, uh, yeah. I mean, you know, I listen. Yeah, we did it very quickly. I mean, I think the, yeah, the budget was not 20, but it was more than, it was definitely more than, if I remember correctly, it was probably between 12 and 15, you know. Yeah. yeah. And, did you ever speak to Steve Ricardo, who was her A&I guy at the time? What was his name? Uh, Steve Ricardo. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, I yes, you know, briefly lost you know. to the sands of time. Yeah, sands of time. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, no. Listen, I, I really, I enjoyed it. It was really an experience. I had never done anything like that before. Yeah. And um, you know, most of the records I produced were always something new because I was like, you know, completely new. And I, and I, I, it's, I, I had this look. I, it's the same attitude about people. Like I don't prejudge anybody. Like you know, mm-hmm. if it's you know, if you're there and you want to do great work, then let's go for it, you know? So if only everyone else thought like that. What? If only everyone else thought like that, because she does deserve to be recognized these days, I think. Because it, she's, I think an interesting, yeah, she's an interesting case study, because I think when you're younger, you tend to get a lot of advice, which is don't compromise on anything in your life. Just go, always go for what you want to do. And Kat fucking did. And now she's, she's sort of, she is in obscurity to an extent. She's not quite as big as where she should be, I think. Um, but had she just let up a little bit, I think it could have been a very different story. Oh, yeah, yeah. I I, I agree with you. I mean, you know, you know, I talked to her about it too. And, and it wasn't – it's interesting. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to recall something. Like, I don't think of her as, that, as a dark person. My, my recollection of her – Mm-hmm. Again, and, and maybe it's because, you know, my friends have always said, you know, Kurt, you're like an empath, you know, uh, and I just, I look at, I look at her heart, you know, mm. and I looked at what, you know, she was trying to do. I mean, I was, I was probably at that time, when, when was the record recorded? 1987. 87. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I was in my early 30s. She, uh, uh, she was probably what, 21, 20. Yeah. I think she, she must have been 20, 21. Yeah. Straight out of Juilliard then. Yeah. So I just look, you know, she was just, you know, another female artist and they're all female artists are fucking insecure. I mean, that's just the way they are. I don't care who, I don't care what kind of music they do. They all, they're all insecure, but I, I didn't really, you know, I didn't look at her as a, as 
anything dark at all. I mean, I, you know, we had some nice conversations and where I got, was able to talk to her outside of, you know, outside of that thing. Right to context. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, I, and I, you know, look, she was incredibly hardworking. I mean, she, you know, she absolutely is a perfectionist. She absolutely knows what she's doing. The weird thing is that there's no bending notes. I mean, that's, there's no blues influence. Mm. You think about even all, all speed metal still has blues. It still, it still has uh, rock and roll is still blues. You know what I mean? It comes from being, you know what I mean? The only person, only other guitarist I know who deliberately picks every note and doesn't do a lot of bending and a lot of legato is Zach Wilde of Ozzy Osbourne. What's his name? Zach Wilde. Okay. He's Ozzy Osbourne's guitarist. Yeah. Other than that, you're absolutely right. There is, I mean, even by even for Zach, it's a deliberate choice. But with every other speed metal guitarist and metal musician, there's always that blues influence. So it is really interesting that she came from a completely different mindset. Yeah, completely. I mean, basically using the axe, uh, uh, you know, instead of a violin, it was a, it was a guitar, and and she played it like a violinist, you know. It's, and believe me, violinists, I'll tell you that this is the interesting thing, like. I've produced a lot of pop records too, you know, and I would bring in string players yeah. and I just told you a little story. So if you're doing orchestration and you bring in horn players and mm-hmm. string players, this is absolutely true. You can, I bet you talk to any producers will say, as they think horn players, they're really spitting, right? Right. They're spitting into their instrument. Yeah. yeah. And they're usually guys, it doesn't matter. Guys went, but mostly usually guys and they're cool. They're just, you know, they're, they're, they're just, they're loose. They're just, String players, men or women, like there's the funniest thing, like you give them the chart and they'll go, and I've used the Philadelphia Orchestra people, you know, which is a very good orchestra. They'll play it mm-hmm. and they'll, they'll say, they'll look at each other and say, how did you do? Yeah, that was great. Okay. Well, that was great. We're, we, um, we're, we're finished. And you say, uh, no, they're not, <laughs> you know, they, they are finicky. Mm. They're, they're just a totally different breed of kind of character, you know, and you have to say, you know, you have to, unless they're really, unless they're session players. And I'm actually, these people were session players. They just think they're just, it's weird. It's weird. So she's a string player Mm -hmm. who plays guitar. Mm -hmm. And then she adds all that grit with her personality, all that rock, rock hard grit, you know, like everything about her. Very unique. unique. Totally, man. Totally. It's, um, did, did she, how did she pitch her mission statements to you? I'm, I'm coming to the end now. I just wanted to shoot this yeah. shit with you about it. Um, what, what, how did she pitch it to you? Because I kind of see it as she wanted people to get into Beethoven and get into Mozart and to the classical stuff, but she just wanted to bridge that gap. That's all she wanted to do between modern music and that stuff because it's worth listening to. And there's yeah. someone who used to play, well, I, play, I still play guitar, but I'm not as... I'm not as active in my education as I used to be. And when I was, I really wanted to get into classical music and she would have been totally appropriate to gateway me between those two worlds. And I didn't have that. But was that the mission statement? Yeah, no, I think, I mean, she didn't, she didn't have a mission statement per se, but that was it. I mean, she really, she did. I mean, she was passionate about classical music and how can she, and you know, how can you do both? You know, was it possible to, and, and, and that format was, you know, there's not a classical player in the world that would ever think that that could even be closely be done. You know, no classical musician would ever want to hear that. I mean, intellectually, it's completely let, you know, what, 
And um, no, that's what she wanted to do. So, the, but the interesting thing though, you know, with speed metal, I mean, by go, going up to 180 and 200 beats a minute, you know, yeah. and all that stuff is, um, that is, has nothing to do with classical music. That had to do with um, energy. Energy and almost, it's almost like a, it's almost like an athlete. Yeah. You know, it's an athletic, you know, nobody can play this faster than me. Yeah. Right. That, that was what that was. That was all about, I can play this faster than any fucking person in the world, mm. you know? Mm. So that was more of a, almost like a, a macho, like, you know, uh, be the best in the world kind of thing. It had nothing to do with the music. It just had to do with how fast I can do it, you know? So we have the great cat who's like, Worship me or die, the very in your face character, which you dispelled on that first day and say, you know, we're not fucking about here, cat. Sorry Wait, about say that. that again? And so we had that, we got the character of the cat who is worship me or die, the edit, BDSM, all that stuff, which you dispelled on the first day. So let's get, let's take the attitude out of the room. Let's get the job done. So I'm going to follow this up with the pretty obvious question. Is the great cat a character that Catherine yes, Thomas is I- wearing? Well, you mean, so is the question, is this a mask or is this her? Is that her, your question? Correct. Yeah, yeah. Is she putting it on or is she, is she, tr- is she through and through? Fucking worship me or die, motherfucker. It's a good question. I think that's a question for a therapist, but <laughs> I would say um, she's absolutely true to herself, but there is a soft side to her. Yeah. That she will not, I mean, I got to see it because she trusted me. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, she wasn't like, she never talked about, you know, I really, some nights I just want to cry or, mm-hmm. you know, I just feel romantic. I mean, it was nothing like there was, that was never the case, yeah. but her, her passion, you know, um, uh, uh, there, there was a vulnerable, there, there was a vulnerability there. You know, yeah. that's all I can tell you. I mean, I, 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 and I, I, it's too long ago to tell you a specific story about mm-hmm. why I felt that, but I felt she was, you know, it was, again, I, I, listen, I've studied women and, you know, and, and relationships and stuff. Trust is always an issue. You know, mm-hmm. trust is the hardest thing. You think about it all your life, you know, yeah. it, you don't have, tr- but when you get trust, you get the vulnerability yeah. without that no vulnerability. Right. Mm. So with everybody else that I saw her with, she was hardcore cat, you know, motherfucker, you know, yeah. with me. No, mm. no, I would say she, I think, I think I was like, I was probably, I was probably like the big brother or something, you know, like I was yeah. the wise brother, you know, like she could trust, you know, and I never made her feel, you know, uh, you know, I, I I was very complimentary to what she was trying to do and she was a perfectionist and she, you know, the fact that I understood music that, that you know, her respect went like that. Like, mm-hmm. I, I don't know. I don't think she could work. Like the other guy was more of an engineer producer, you know, John Mathias, I think his name was. Uh, yeah. I think it was like, an, he was engineering and, you know, producing. At the same time. And he had no idea. He had, was not a musician. So mm-hmm. he couldn't talk to her about, wait a minute, that's, you know, you're, you're, you know, you're off time or whatever. He really, he, he couldn't talk to her on that level. And, um, I mean, I, I, I mean, I had the fucking charts on the, on the SSL console, you know, yeah. I'm like, like you're going through it. Okay. 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 You know, oh, right. so John Mathias was the follow-up. I don't know who preceded you. What was it? 
Okay. Sorry, John Mathias was Beethoven on speed. That was the follow-up for, for before you. Yeah. The guy, it can either if it's anything, if if Discogs can tell me anything, it's either Jim Campbell, Joe Alexander, or Ryan Dawn. No, no, Jim. Okay, so Joe Alexander yeah. was my partner. Uh huh. So, so he was an he was an engineer, okay. and Jim Campbell uh, was also a, 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 an assistant engineer. Right. Okay. So they were all like they were all in my they were all like my they were Jim Campbell was an employee of mine. Who else? Uh, Ryan Dawn. Who? What was the name? Name is Ryan Dawn. D -O oh yeah, Ryan Dorn was another. He was a, an assistant engineer. He was another um, employee, a Cajun. So, so the guy those, they, were, you... they were all part of my team. Yeah, cool. So the guy before you gets no credit at all. That's no. that's fine then. Oh, no, <laughs> just, go, try to, just try to find the name. That's all. <laughs> he was fucking fired. That was it. Yeah. Fair so, enough. I had I had respect for her as a person, mm. not as a woman or a man, mm. and. If I had been the opposite, if I was insecure, she would have spit me out. She would have totally spit me out, you know. Yeah. Yeah. And not to, not to be conceited, but maybe it's a little bit. But, you know, that also, that, that inner confidence for me, like, I, you know, when I was single, I, I uh, you know, I, I dated models that were six foot tall. I'm 5'8". I, I say, I, I joke, I say I'm a Jewish 5'8", which is 5'7 and a half. <laughs> and, because I, I don't, you know, like I'm high, I have a six, four personality, you know, so yeah. it didn't, it didn't. And I don't have to prove myself to her. It was really a working, mm -hmm. let's do the work. It was all about getting the work done. Nothing yeah, yeah. else mattered. Nothing else mattered. And then you can talk about other stuff, you know, like what was your parents? like? And, you know, I, I, again, I don't remember enough about it, but you know, I don't view, again, I don't view her at all as a dark character. Mm -hmm. My recollection of her is not dark. My recollection is she she understood her market. She knew worship me or die is because she really believed that, you know, it was important. I mean, she definitely had like um, it was important for a woman. I mean, I don't know if there were any women speed metal artists at that time. Were there? I'm not there too any? sure. There, there were definitely women artists. Um, uh, I don't know what's, what I'm thinking of. Jade was a band that was fronted by a woman, Lita Ford and the Runaways. Um, but the one oh, I don't yeah. think there were any. I don't think there were any shredders. I think she's certainly unique in that regard. No, that I don't know. You know, and I and I and I think that it was very. I was very important to her. You know, a woman doing this kind of basically it was a man's music, and she yep. was breaking. She was breaking, especially at that time. Male dominated, a hundred ninety nine point nine percent male dominated. Yeah, you know, and that and she. That's why she had to. You know, she was always ready to fight, but. For me, I didn't present myself as, you know, hey, fuck you, you know, you're a woman, you can't fuck it. You know, I, I had none of that. So great respect for her. Yeah. And I'm yeah. glad, listen, uh, you know, no drugs, no, nothing. Yeah. There was, she had no drug, there was no drugs in her life at all, you know. And in fact, I, I would bet you anybody, I mean, she wanted to fire the drummer a few times, but somehow he, he you know. Oh, yeah, no. I mean, I didn't, I, I did insist, though. I said, look. If we're working together, you you know it's I don't care. You want to fire the drummer, that's fine, but no abuse in this dude. I, I didn't want anybody to be abused in a, in that. You're fucking ass. There was not you know I just I didn't want any of that. We had to respect each other because otherwise you can't get work done. You know you can't do it through an abusive culture. Mm -hmm. um, how she dealt with other albums, I have no idea. 
but that's the way we, that's the way I manage the session. And then we yeah. got it done, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. I've got one more for you then. I'll, I'll let you crack on with you. Thanks so much for doing this, by the way, completely out of the blue, complete cold open. I totally appreciate it's, it. It's fine. You know, I'll tell you, I, again, that what's so ironic about this is that not one fucking hour before you, I got your email. I was, I hadn't even thought about the great cap. This woman's brother, this woman who I'm kind of starting to go, her brother is a, is a, a speed metal guy. And she mm-hmm. said, did you ever do any metal records or any? And I said, well, we did all the Cinderella records. I played <laughs> piano on long cold winter. And, um, yeah. and then I told her about this, you know, the great cat. And, yeah. and then you, and then you called an hour later. <laughs> it's like, that's one of those things, you know, isn't it funny how that it, works? It's so crazy, man. I'm going, to, I'm going to bring that around to the craziness because one thing I ask all my interviewees, I know this is really impromptu, but I ask everyone this is, have you ever seen a ghost? Well, let me tell you something about a ghost. So we, again, I told you that our, we built our studio in mm-hmm. uh, the Derringer Gun Factory. Yep. So, and when we were building it, and this is true, true story, and there were people, there were artists that came into our studio. I mean, I met, I met Steve Tyler, who we almost did the Aerosmith record that, that wound up re-breaking them. The Love in an Elevator. He, oh, um, he, permanent before, vacation? Before Bruce Fairbairn. Before they met Bruce Fairbairn, they came to Cage and they right. were talking about, and it didn't happen. Yeah. I mean, gosh, you know, it was, it was really great. That, I mean, he was like as animated as you can imagine. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. anyway, uh, and we were building a studio. And then toward the end, because we had to get it done, we were sleeping there mm-hmm. on the floor, you know? Mm-hmm. And I swear, I, I dreamt that there were ghosts. And they were, they were like, it was like one of those like uh, cartoons where you see the, like your soul trying to be ripped out of your, yeah. and so I was a Beatle, you know, I grew up on the Beatles. So I, I started in my, I said, I'm not going to write that. And I just started, all you need is love. Dun, 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 dun. Is this in the dream or is this? While he, this ghost is trying to take me. I started singing all you need is love and that yeah. defeated him. They couldn't take me. So, and my partner swears, Joe Alexander, mm-hmm. uh, he did a lot of the night sessions. He's, right. And we had a, a big glass and then the couch was what was behind. So you'd only see reflections and he would see this ghost walking on the back and he would turn around and wouldn't, wouldn't be there. So, uh, I'm pretty sure Cajun was, you know, that building was built in the 1800s, like 1830 or six or something mm-hmm. that if there were ghosts, there was, you know, somebody That's it. was there. That's it, man. I mean, we, I mean, what we believe is there was some, that somebody was murdered there and that's why, and some, you know, somebody was tortured there right around the corner. There was an old insane asylum, right? Like, like about a mile away. Mm-hmm. So who knows, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That's place. crazy, man. Listen, you know what? The universe is far more mysterious than we uh, we know. Exactly. Know? And science can, and I think we're getting closer and closer to understand, but I, I kind of look at everything as energy. Yeah. You know, and I don't think yeah, energy can't be destroyed or created, right? It can, mm-hmm. it transforms. So mm-hmm. who knows, right? So very musician um, sort of approach to that question. And it's very common across that circle. Everyone's like, well, look, we, there's so much we don't understand. But what we do know is there are certain vibes. <laughs> yep. And that exactly. dictates more than we think. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I'm, I've been into this. This year has been an evolution for me because I've been very focused on vibra- positive vibration and energy. And, mm-hmm. and I would, you know, everybody I come into contact, I mean, look, we, I got this bracelet. See this bracelet here? Uh-huh. This? 
Yeah. It's a Buddhist bracelet. I just mm -hmm. got it. It's they say prayers over it, and it takes about a month to get the black obsidian. It's called a wealth bracelet. Cool. Got it in July, and during COVID, mm -hmm. um, and the day that I got it, within a, within a day or two, we started getting new clients, and a huge client, like a hundred thousand dollar a month client, came in. I mean, you know, and and I do, you know, there's a law of attraction. Right. There are, so there are these energies. So if you start, when you put out positive, good energy, mm -hmm. stay away from the toxic shit, you know, cause bad energy will, that's why, you know, it's, it's tragic. So many of these bands, um, you know, a, a lot of times the leaders will, they self-destruct, you know, yeah. and, and the ones that are more grounded don't, I mean, Cinderella, Tommy Kiefer is a very grounded guy, you know? Uh, yeah. Did he drink a little bit? Yeah. But not too much. You know, I mean, he was, he was grounded. He was a songwriter, you know, and that's what he did. And the bands that made it were the most focused, you know, and grounded. But the ones that don't, it's not that they don't make it, but they, you know. And so I, I've been really focused on, you know, trying to stay very positive with energy. And and it works. It, it shows um, just talking to you, to be honest. It's been a what? very, very it, is, it shows just talking to you. It's a very, very easy conversation. Oh, thanks. It flows yeah. very well. Um, well thanks. One, thing I, I did, one thing I didn't mention, um, did, did you, I imagine your interaction with the record label itself was rather limited because you came into the project so abruptly. Yeah. I, and, and I, you know, look, I, I'm one of these people when I, when I stepped off the, I'm, I'm like pretty poison. The catch me falling was a huge hit. And, mm -hmm. uh, the first act signed by Virgin. I, and I still never got royalties cause I don't follow it up. And, I should. I talked to him. In fact, I talked to a lawyer about a few months ago and said, Kurt, you really, you really need to follow that shit up. But what I got it, you know, I, huh? What band was that? Sorry. It was called Pretty Poison. Pretty, Pretty Poison. Poison. Pretty Poison. And they were a dance act and they got signed and they, and okay. all over a million records, you know, and, uh, and I just never followed up because I stepped off of that world, you know, and I just went into my advertising. And so I'm a hundred percent guy, you know, like, I just, okay, next, you know, but, uh, it's okay, you know, uh, anyway, um, great luck to you, yeah, send me some of the links that you have, I, I'll send I, you, I'll send you the, uh, Martin Downey Jr. thing right now, just put it up on the screen, and I'll put it onto your Facebook, and I'll show it, uh, it's the entire episode, I'll give you the timestamp and all that stuff, but okay. as this moves on, I'll keep you in the loop, mate, thank you very much. Cool. Thank you,